Okay, now we're going to take a look with my uh, engineer design interior manufacturing automotive expert, Paul Howson. We, he's over there somewhere. <laughs> we're going to take a look at the 2019 interior. Now, before mm. we go back and look at the original interior, just give me some opening thoughts. What do you think? Not a comparison. Opening thoughts. It's a really nice looking cockpit. I reckon it actually looks really good. The trim is sort of to the individual's taste. Oh, like it looks good, but I don't know about the colouring stuff. They did that a little bit. The seats are good. Yeah. The seats are a nice looking design. They're pretty yep. cool. The dash layout looks pretty good. The centre looks fantastic, but from here, I cannot see where you put your cassette tapes. In the bin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's very, um, it's very almost ergonomic. It's, the steering wheel's got all your controls on there. The dash looks nice. There's a big knob there that I'm guessing you can play with. This is what happens when you get old people. <laughs> old, comma, people. And old people. Okay, now I'm not, I'm not. I'm not age-shaming. Right. I, yeah. I, I'm not in any position not, to no, do that. No, you're um, not. However, I looked at this interior, and what was my first thought? Yeah, you don't like it. <laughs> I just thought Nissan have clearly run out of money and have gone to the Qashqai Duke X-Trail parts bin and just thrown all of that stuff in there. And you will find a lot of those buttons in the cheap cars. Yeah. Yeah, buttons but, are bad, kids. But this is where a company with not a lot of money to spend, spends it wisely. You I'll don't go, go and reinvent the wheel when you've already got them in your parts bin. But wouldn't you want to point a difference between your quarter of a million dollar car and your 50 grand car? Not if people are willing to buy it. And that there, is the problem yeah. because they weren't in droves. <laughs> <laughs> these did not sell because by this stage they were getting too old. Yes. And stuff like this didn't help it. To me, that interior has a really over... Um, bearing feel of cheapness, cheap plastics, and goes away from the original interior, which I really liked because it was considered modern. It was considered something different in the day. Like it had the Atari screen in it. Yep. Now, interestingly enough, the JDM has got a high quality, high res screen in it. Whereas our first 09s had this low res pixelated screen that they only updated to this <laughs> screen yep. in 2010. Okay. Yeah, so the Japanese domestic version was a lot better in that regard. This one, you know, this has got a high-res screen in it, but it still, it still reeks of like an old Donkey Kong <laughs> game. Yeah. Well, Polyphony still, polyphony, polyphony, it's like polygamy. Yeah, I don't know. They, um, who did some, what did they do? Some Gran Turismo stuff, I think. The racing game. Yeah, they, they did some of the layout on this. And in okay. the day, in 2008, it was acceptable. Cool. Yeah, I really loved it. People go on about the interiors being, you know, garbage in the early ones now, I think, and these are so good, I think these are garbage. And the early ones are really, really cool. So with that, let's take a look at the early interior. Now, this is where it all happens for me. This is the original interior. This is how Nissan first released their proper world supercar. And it's a bit of a dark and foreboding place. Yep. What are the main takeaway differences in terms of not just materials and colours, but in terms of design between that one and the new one? To me, mm. <laughs> we've had this discussion. This is Marty's favourite. Yeah. He really likes the layout, how, how it all is much less 
technologically Plotted. advanced. No, it's less cluttered. It's a better, more oh, I, think, I think it's more buttons and knobs. This is Nissan's design language. That there is, let's get some parts from the parts bin. I, I agree, and I see where you're coming from, but this is pretty boring. This is fairly standard to me. What is missing that you need that's not there? Apart Style. Oh. <laughs> Bit of class. No, nah, it's, it's a nice place. It, it, it is. It is. It's fairly good, but it's um, 2008, and it's got 2008 written all over it. Has it? Where? Yeah, yeah. Um, is there anything digital in there? Uh, um, you've got the big centre screen. Yeah, it's a touch screen. Just above the eight track. That's a touch screen. <laughs> it's got right. a six stacker in the front there, down down below. Six eight tracks. Yeah, six <laughs> eight to forty eight. Right. It, it is. It's a nice place. It's a very good cockpit. Uh, it's just a bit more dated than the newer one, and this is one area I can see change in this car. That I don't know if it's value adding or not but it's definitely moved ahead more cluttered isn't better no but it shows that they've spent money somewhere even if it wasn't much <laughs> <laughs> i suppose but yeah look nothing much goes wrong with these interiors no the mfd i think it's called an mfd or am I, yeah yeah the mfd which is the center screen and a little hard drive in there i mean it ain't no mcu out of a plaid <laughs> no. but it, it's been quite reliable over the years there are some things in them you don't touch like the window switches for example the surrounds around them, they've got that rubbery, very thin finish on it, and underneath that dark coating is white plastic. Yes. So if you scratch it with your fingernail or something... Yep. You can scratch that stuff cleaning it. They look yeah. terrible. And then it looks like brushed aluminium. It's nice scratch marks that just keep following it. Just saying. I've seen it. Um, do these have heads-up display? No. No other vehicle has heads-up? Ah, uh, that one might have. No, mm. it doesn't look like it. No. Heads-up display is a gimmick. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's How can you, but you think you're a fighter pilot? <laughs> How can you be a fighter pilot without a yoke? I use my heads-up display. I do use it. He's a racer and a home tuner and a heads-up display man. <laughs> when I see it go red, I knew I missed a gear change. That's what I like about it. Sort of gives me that. In case he goes deaf, he can't hear the duh, 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 the rev limiter. But anyway, enough of that. Um, mm. Nice place to be. Nice car. I, I really like the old car finish. You like the new car finish. I, um, I just think you merged the two together and they would have had listen, a better listen combination. Listen to this plump. Listen to this. Oh, that's solid, mm. right? That's leaf spec. <laughs> All that. But I can guarantee you they had a team of engineers shut a door about a thousand times before they came. And what does the door handle it? remind you of? Just the way you open it. Um, exactly the same as a Model 3. Isn't it? <laughs> it is. But you've got to push is. it at the back. Yeah. Because people, I remember these when they were new, when we had one of the first ones. How do you open like, it? Yeah. No, you've got to press there and then open, which is stupid, but <laughs> what's the. It is stupid. Sorry, Elon, yours is stupid too. Yeah. What's the benefit of this? Aero, Got in it. a nutshell. I remember how excited you were about the swooping front guards that line up with the mirror, the chop into even the rear quarter here. I don't know if I'm out of screen there, and then up over the. But then we saw the pinnacle of the design, which was the leaf, which did it a lot better with the bigger headlights. Yeah, but this they had Adrian Newey, of course. Yeah, of course. And speaking of Newey, let's have a look at the differences between the old and new transmissions. And here we are back having a look at the, some of the major transmission differences. You see, because one thing that did get better with the R35 over the years was the transmission. Did the design change? Probably not. No. Uh, but there's a reason it got better. Why? Well, it kept failing earlier on in the piece. 
Yeah, they had some yeah. pretty horrible yeah. um, problems that you'd normally see with something that was under-engineered and rushed to market. For example, yep. for a big heavy car, the first gear was only about two-thirds of the width of an R32 first gear. So yep. they used to blow first gear with their rough launch control, so they fixed that with software, right? Launch control, there's another one that used to come into play. Did, that used to affect these transmissions used heavily. to blow them to pieces, mm. the first gear, the small first gear, because it just banged the clutch. Yep. Whereas yep. they worked out how to feed it and get it smooth later on. So that was like a software fix to fix hardware, but there were massive hardware problems in the early transmissions. I mean massive, that they couldn't address with software. One of the first was these bad boys. What is it, Paul? That there is a selector fork. Yeah, so there's actually a lot of work done by that flimsy, weak yeah. little component. On these pads. And let me tell you, that is as heavy as a biro. I can't believe how light that is. That weighs nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And what does that mean? Strength-wise, it's... So they used to snap useless. across here. Hmm? Dump, the ends would break off them because, you know, there's no... The way these were actuated by the valve body, you know, there was also, it was a fairly brutal actuation. So one of the first things that happened is in 2011, 2011, so after two or three years in the market, um, they did upgraded selector forks in the transmission to stop them from constantly popping these. And, you know, some of them were easy to change, just with the pan off, some of them you had to pull them pull the whole thing apart to change them. So, yeah, selector forks were one thing they upgraded. The weird thing for me is that the selector forks have been Achilles heel in a lot of vehicles. It's yeah. like when you come out with a new one or a new trans or whatever, you'd think you'd go back on past history. Say like a, like a T5. Yeah. Who yeah. made the T5? What company? It's not a Borgwarner. Yeah. It is a Borgwarner. Borgwarner T5. Hang on. Who made, Who made the R35? <laughs> Transmission. Why don't you learn? Yeah, it was Borgwarner as well. Unreal. And, you know, for a first attempt at a dual clutch, it did some things really good. I, it may be in their defence. I'm only throwing this out yeah. there. But didn't these have the first attempt at, like, pre-select? So wasn't uh, this... Volkswagen have been doing it. They'd already done with it? DSG, yeah. Can we have Twin a look at their forks? You got any... Selected. No, no, I've got a knife and fork <laughs> to dissect further with. But I guess that they had that assumption that the next gear was already selected. Yeah. So it's not like it was smashing into gear. Yeah. But when you start reeling through that box, you're going to be getting there awfully quick. It's going to yeah, happen, yeah. yeah. So that was, was one problem that was fixed. Now there are aftermarket forks that mm. solve the problem. Billet. Next. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Billet and some welded together. And what's this, Paul? That oh. is broken, is yeah, what it is. It is. Now. But oh, I'm saying that's a, like a line pressure. Oh, hang on. <laughs> Pause. Okay, well, I'm back now. Paul, cough. <laughs> that there is a pressure sensor. Now, inside the GDR transmission are three of these pressure sensors. Yep. They're critical. One goes in the valve body underneath and does line, overall line pressure. And two go in the clutch mechatronic, which is deep in the bowels of the transmission and do clutch A and clutch B and pressure there's measurements. one thing I know about them. They fail Prone constantly. to failure. Yeah. They're just a really bad design. Internally, yeah. they just delaminate and come apart and just go open circuit. And first they go a bit intermittent and then they just die. So there was a big mess of aftermarket replacements for them. And guess what they do? Bugger all. Fail constantly too. Didn't you come up with a fix? Oh, I did, but it was just too complex. Yep. We mounted them old remotely down in the in the pan so that you can just take the pan off to change them rather than pull the... So that's not fixing the problem though, that was more of a band-aid. Yeah, well, it just means yeah. you, it, it was one hour labour to replace them all rather than nine. Yeah. So, you know, 
And yeah, there, I think apparently there is a, a replacement sensor out now that works, but I'm sure Nissan went through their quality control and whoever the outside supplier was, this is actually like a, this same sensor part number was used in a Honda Civic from the 90s. Yeah, okay. Transmission. So there so you go. Is that a Nissan part or is that Bull? No, it would be just a generic Chinese part. Yeah, righto. And that's, it doesn't work that well. Junk. That was one problem. And it's, only a little, it's only a little pile so far. We got any more? Bits? Oh, yeah. So let's have a look at this bit over here. We'll move down. Right. Oh, yes. I've got a GDR life hack for you. Exhaust tips. Because pen you take them off, they unscrew our pen holders. I had one on my desk for years. So there you go. There you go. If you want somewhere to put your pens, then use your GDR <laughs> exhaust tip. Yeah. Uh, I have a word, word of advice. If, if get, anyone wants to... Uh, first. If anyone wants to uh, buy one, or we do have lots of them on offer, and we'll even both sign it, you'll range anxiety, pen holder. Yeah, got a skip full of them. Yeah. <laughs> right, what do you got here, Marty? It this looks here like is the valve body. Valve body. Mm. Right? Now, the way it all works, there are pistons that slide back and forth, actuated by pressure, um, that move those selectors to yep. shift gears. And those selectors go on there, and that's how it works. Yep. Now, there are magnetic position sensors here, so that... Uh, the ECU knows where that piston is and how far it's travelled. And in the early 08s, and there's a line pressure sensor there. Yep. Deep. Deep, deep in the bowels of the valve mm. body. But you can just pull that out in the car. Yep. Yep. In the 08s, this whole assembly just had some sort of weird endemic problem where they just failed and nothing worked in them and the, the cards they'd call them, the swipers all went wrong and they rounded off they rounded off all the edges on the on the um, actuator. See how there's a steel clip over them now? Yep. Because they would get rounded off and allow the sensor to allow the piston to rock around, and then the sensor wouldn't read. So Nissan came out with five cent clips that you put over the top <laughs> yeah, of them, but yeah. wouldn't sell them to you. Okay. So we made our own. That, that's some we made. But yeah, so there was just the valve bodies went wrong in them. There were just all sorts of little problems that made them a very frustrating car to own. Yeah. Once you put some miles on them. Wasn't there plastic shims in there as well? That's something we did to stop them over selecting is they blew the synchros up, the early ones. Right. Ripped all the teeth off the synchros. There was a synchro upgrade in 11 or 12. So while it's the same gearbox, what is it, the GR6, how could I ever forget? <laughs> Gives me nightmares. You know my tech, Gareth, yep. charges me double when he's got to work on one of these. Rightly because so. Because he hates them so much. And because he knows he's a good little cash cow. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, there were so many problems with them. Yeah that yep. they've sorted it out in later ones, and now there is a booming aftermarket in, in building transes that work. But yep. you got to remember, to build a proper trans, you're spending upwards of 50K. Yeah. And yep. people say to me, I've got no weight. It's running perfectly. I just want to do a few mods to make it reliable. What do you suggest? I said, well, leave it alone. Fix it yeah. when it breaks. Yeah. You know, because I could it's spend... It's going to happen, isn't it? You could spend five grand changing all of this stuff out, and then it just fails. And then it's like, well, you said it was going to be reliable. Yeah. They're never reliable. Like all transmissions, it's just a matter of... When, not if. It's a transaxle too, isn't it? Yes, it is. So there's way more complication than, than just fixing the trans. Every time I've seen these things come out, there's a lot of surgery goes into dropping one it's of them on the ground. It's not that big now. You don't we, we can go in and out and change the sensors in four hours. At double the rate though. Just exactly. remember that. So that's eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, well, you can if you're rushing it, you know. But yep. Um, yeah, look, overall, not a great transmission. There are fixes around now, but don't think you're going to make it reliable at high horsepower. Mm -hmm. Basically, like any transmission, if that is your goal, put a glide in it. It's been done, too. And with that... Is that right? Yeah. And with that, 
thank you for watching us once more. I hope you enjoyed that because... And hopefully it hasn't put you off buying a GDR35. I'll buy another one. Yeah, they're a good car. Yeah, just pick your interior and pray for your transmission. Exactly. <laughs> Bye. Later.